Well, we've been talking about living by the life of another. Remember what Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we've been understanding that we're living by the life of another. We've been crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, and we've been buried with him, and we've been raised to walk in the newness of life, so our life is in him. Colossians 3.1 says, if you be risen with him, if you be risen, or since you've been risen with him, set your mind on things above, for you're dead, and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. The next verse says what? Mortify, therefore, your what? Members, which are upon the earth. Don't give place to them because that's not who you are. That's who you were. We talk about the exchange life. The Christian life is not a changed life. It's an exchange life. Amen? Amen? What does that mean? That God made Jesus to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's an exchange. He took our sins so we could be his righteousness. So you're living by the life of another. We're living by the strength of another. We're living by the grace of another, the peace of another. And you know what? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. We praise and worship by him. Everything you do is by him. And the liberty and freedom that comes from knowing what you are in him. Because in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. What? In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. Think the one that created all this stuff and still creating. That, that him, him, all that fullness of God dwells in Christ. And you are complete in him because you are in him. If we ever get a picture of what all that means. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you just abide in me, everything, you're going to bring forth fruit. You don't have to stir, uh, struggle or work at it all you got to do is just be man we just be because we're in him now psalms 91 is a good verse for you to put in your memory banks because that's what psalm 91 is all about he that dwelleth in the secret place live there abides in the secret place abiding in christ what look at all the blessings of psalm 91 in the light of the new creation only with your eyes will you see what's going on because you've set your love upon him, therefore will he deliver you. It's good. So Psalm, we might preach on Psalms 91 one of these days. It's good. But we're talking about living by the love of another. We started this a couple of weeks ago. I didn't get through with it, but you know what I decided? I could preach on this every week for a whole year because there's nothing greater than the love of God. You know, I said before what it is. In Christ dwells all the fullness of the riches of his grace is in, in Christ. That's the big room with all the treasure. Now, the door is faith. By grace you're saved for all these riches through faith. The door is faith. You've got to get into the door of faith. But you know what the scripture says in Galatians? But faith worketh by love. Key to the door of faith is love. Love opens the door of faith into the Riches of his grace. Just keep that in mind. How they all work together. And the greatest is what? Love. Now, God is love. The Bible says a lot of things that God is. But it says God is love. And he that dwelleth in God dwelleth in love. Amen? So we got to see we are living by the love of another. So look in Ephesians. Let me just start here in Ephesians 4. Uh, 4. I want to read... Uh, Oh, thank you, Lord. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Did you catch that? You might want to read up above that. It says who you used to be, but now who you are. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, isn't it wonderful? The difference between the law and grace is you do, in the law it says you do this and you'll get this. But grace has already given you this, so because I've given you this, you do this. It says forgive as Christ forgiven you. Give as you've been given. Everything, as every man's received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now he says what? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? So you can obtain mercy. What's mercy for? Mercy is to cover everything you've done in the past. But grace is to give you all those things that you don't deserve. And to reveal to you who you are. Mercy is good, but grace is better. Come to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy to cover all the past so you can receive grace to cover all the future. That's good, isn't it? How many of you would rather have mercy and grace? I want grace. But take them both. They go hand in hand. Mercy and grace go hand in hand. <clears throat> now, verse chapter 5, verse 1. Father, thank you for this word. We ask you, Lord, to open our ears. Now he says, be ye therefore. Why is the therefore there? Because of what we just read before that. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. See, what's it saying here? Walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us. As every man received the love, even so what? Walk in it. You see? Now remember we talked about the old heart. It says the old heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And God said in Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I'll take away the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk, walk what? In my ways. Now that's what Hebrews 8 says. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. And see in Jeremiah 24, 7, I'll give you a heart to know me. Now what is that heart? Remember the old heart is always concerned about self. It's always looking at self. The old heart is deceitful and it's all about me. The new heart is a heart of love. That's who God is. I'll give you a heart to know me. And what is that? That's love. And that's what we're talking about, learning to live by the love of another. And what's this say? Now he says what? Do like God did. Be imitators of God. Walk as he did. He says, walk in love as Christ has loved us and hath given himself for us and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But once again, but all uncleanness, covetousness, not let it be once named among you that become saints. See, there's a, there's a way to walk in this new man. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill what? To the lust of the flesh. There's a way to walk. And he teaches us how to walk. Walk in love one to another. And so look with me in 1 John 3, 1. It has a lot to say about this. 1 John 3, 1. I said we could cover this a lot. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we. When are we going to be sons of God? Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we see him as he is. 
And every man that hath this hope, Eric, got that word? Every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Whosoever commits sin transgresses the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath, hath not seen him, neither knows him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now let me go back to this thing again. We talk about it's not about change, it's about exchange. Now, 2 Corinthians 3.19 says what? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And it's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Once again, the word reconciliation in the Greek is exchange. Every one of us have been given the, the gospel, the good news of the gospel of exchange. Isaiah 53 is the gospel of what Jesus did. Spurgeon said, ever how a, a person reads Isaiah 53 in relationship to what Jesus suffered, you don't have to. It's an exchange. See, this message has been around ever since this Bible was written. It's an exchange. Ever the way you see Isaiah 53 and Christ suffering for you so you don't have to suffer. It's been paid for you. Sometimes you may have to look at the Hebrew to find out what Isaiah 53 means, but it's there. And so we see that. And the only reason I said what I did about griefs and sorrows because the, the NIV interpreters of this uh, new, new International Version, if you got it, it's okay. But when they was interpreting this, they used a lot of different professors. And when they got to Isaiah 53, to the griefs and the sorrows, 20 other times the word griefs had been interpreted disease and sickness. They chose griefs because it said it in the King James and they said some of them on the, the committee was denominational people and said, if we interpret this griefs and sorrows, we're just giving legal right to these Pentecostals to preach divine healing. The committee. And so some of them said, it's just good Bible. If we've translated it griefs and sicknesses, if we've translated it disease and all these times and diseases, it's good Bible to do it the same way we've done it before. And if you don't, we're through. And they got off the committee. But they chose to go ahead but if you have that Bible, you'll notice in footnotes, it's there. Right? Okay. So I want you to see something. Like I said, disease, and the word sorrow is pains. Jesus was acquainted with pain. Surely he took your pains. He took your diseases. He took your, your sicknesses. Why? So we could be exchanged. Exchanged. He did it to exchange us, not only for our sins, but everything else. Isaiah 53 takes care of, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 said, The God of all peace sanctify you, Holy Spirit, soul, and body. What? Spirit, soul, and body. The God of peace has already sanctified you. Hebrews said, By one offering he sanctified forever. Those perfected forever, those that are sanctified. If you're saved, you're sanctified. And you're as sanctified as you're ever going to get. There's no such thing as progressive sanctification. It's not about what you do. That's change. It's about who you are. That's exchange. Now get it out of your thinking. It's not about you getting born again and all of a sudden you've got to change your old style of living, your old way of living, your old soul. Jesus said if you try to save that old thing, you'll lose it. But if you'll just lose it, you'll find it, a new one. It'll be rebirthed. It's about exchange. Now in Hebrews 5.11, it says that we have received the atonement. That's the only place that word atonement is used in the New Testament. Atonement is an Old Testament word. means to cover. 
Jesus didn't come to cover our sins. He come around to behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And that word atonement there, Romans 5.11, is the same word exchange. It should have been in there exchange, not atonement. Every time you see the word reconcile or reconciliation, it's exchange. God was in Christ, exchanging the world to to himself, not imputing their sins to them. And it says, while we were enemies, we were exchanged to God through the death of his son. He didn't wait till you accepted it. He paid for it for everybody. Did Jesus die for everybody's sins? Amen. Is everybody in the world going to receive that forgiveness of sins? No. Did Jesus die for everybody's sicknesses? Yes. Is everybody going to receive that? No. But it doesn't mean it's not paid for. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So when he died on the cross, he died for the sins of the whole world. Doesn't mean everybody's going to take the gift. But I'm telling you, the same as he paid for your sins, he paid for your sicknesses and your diseases. And not only that, in Isaiah 53, 10, 11, and 12, in the garden, he took all of your soulish hurts, pains, rejections, insecurities, inferiorities, you name them. In the garden, he took all of that for us. Because verse 11 says it pleased God to crush him to make his soul an offering for our sin. God will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Be satisfied. And Jesus said in verse 12, it says, because he poured out his soul to death. Jesus said in the garden, now is my soul sorrowful unto death. So what does that say? In the garden, he took care of your soul. At the whipping post, he took care of your body. And on the cross, he took care of your spirit. So your whole spirit, soul, and body has been redeemed. Once and for all. Now that's shouting ground. Now we've got to start living like it's already been paid for. Now it's not a matter of something he's going to do. It's something that's already been done. It's a matter of believing it and receiving it. Amen? All right. Got that out of my system. Ah. Hebrews 3. Looky here. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Wow. Because he laid down his life. Now guess what that little life right there means? 5590, suitcase, soul. Jesus laid down his soul. It says, perceive the love of God because he laid down his soul for us. We ought to lay down our souls for the brethren. He laid down his souls for us. His mind, will, and his emotion for us. We need to lay it down for each other. You know that word agape, love? It means what? It involves God doing what he knows is best for man, not necessarily what man desires. Agape love is doing what's best for you, not necessarily what you want. That's agape love. While we were yet sinners, God loved us and did for us by sending his son what's not necessarily best for man, but what man wants, but what man needs. That's what agape is. When you do what's best for someone and and what's best for them, regardless of what they want. Can you hear that? And and another uh, vine says this about agape. It is a deep, constant love of a perfect being toward an entirely unworthy object. How many of you can do that in your old man? I hadn't seen no hands come up. I didn't expect a hand to come up. How you can love someone that's unlovely, that don't deserve it. The old man can't do that. 
Only agape can do that. When God says, love your enemies, you can do that with his love. If we're going to walk this new thing out, we've got to have the love of God in our lives. We've got to let the love of God dwell in us. We've got to live by the love of another. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We can't love until. And then also it says about in Romans, it says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost come in and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We're learning to live by the love of another. Amen. That's what this thing is all about. Now, I tried for years to do that in my old man. I didn't have any luck. Is anybody else? The only thing, when you look at this Bible and you see all the things you've tried to do all these years and you couldn't do, it's because we tried to do it instead of exchanging it for his life. And we can do it. Because in him, we can do all things through what? Christ that strengthens us. And Jesus said, without me, you can do what? So what is everything we do without him? Nothing. The only way we can do anything that's pleasing to God is when we start by denying self. Anything that you do that originates in self, self-seeking, is nothing. You have to first start by denying yourself and choosing to live by the life of another. That's why Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him what? Take up his cross daily. What does that mean? There you go. All right, First John 4. Look here, verse, let's start in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. How do, how do we do that? Let us love one another. How are we going to do that? Because we're born of love. He that's born of love loves. Right? And he says... He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Love what? One another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected in us. Catch this. No man has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected. And that word doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means completed. It's finished. His love is fully developed in us. And hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. We have seen and testify the love the Father sent, uh, sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Listen, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. How are we to live our life? In the love of another. See what he's saying? He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this present world. See, we quote that all the time. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. Amen? We guilty? But let's lead the first part of that. Herein is love made perfect for me. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why is that important that we have boldness in the day of judgment? Is he coming back after church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing? Amen? How many of you have tried to 
clean up your clothes and get them clean before he comes. I want to see some hands now. Come on, let's be honest. I remember years ago, the Lord's coming any time now. I say, Lord, you got to wait. I'm not ready. I hadn't won enough souls. I hadn't prayed enough. I hadn't done enough. I've got too much I've got to do. I'm not standing before you right now and expecting you to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because I haven't done enough for you yet. So please wait till I've done enough so you can accept me the way I am now for all I've done for you. I spent years doing that. Well, at least five. He stopped me in about 76 and said, that's enough of that. Because all that's going to get you is wore out. And all that's going to do, and it says in Jude, hating the garment spotted by the flesh. All that does is make your garments worse. Because the flesh is trying to help get the spots out, and all you're doing is putting twice as many in the flesh as you're taking out. Amen. Hating the garment spotted by the flesh. Listen, he's given us a robe of righteousness. He has given us a whole... Read Zechariah, and he says, Take away from him them old garments and give him a change of garments. What is that word, Ken? Exchange. Take away the old filthy garments and give him a brand new one. That's what he did for us. He gave us, and we've been washed white in the blood of the Lamb. And in Revelation, it says, There's a few that have not defiled their garments. Who can tell me how you defile your garments? Unbelief and trying to do it yourself. Going back under legalism defiles your garments. You can't go there. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. What can you add to that? 1 Corinthians one thirty said, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, God did it, who has made you what? Sanctified, justified, glorified, every other fied. Why? So that no flesh will go in his presence. He has done everything for you that can ever be done. It's done. It's finished. So you can't say, I did it. That's it. There's no such thing as adding anything to what you've done. You add anything to what he's given you, you're going to mess it up. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say, if you add anything to what he's done, you've fallen from grace. And if you're going to do any of it, you've got to do all of it. You with me? Now, we've got to learn to live by the love of another. We can't do that our own. There is nothing you can do on your own. The only way you can do it is exchange this life. Live in the exchange life. And once you start seeing it, you'll see it everywhere you go. Herein is our love made perfect so that we may have boldness in the day of the Lord. Boldness in the day of judgment. First Peter says, seeing that all these things are going to happen, was elements melt with fervent heat. And all this stuff happening. He says, now, by the way, when all that stuff starts happening, Make sure that you're found in peace without spot or blemish. When he comes back, even though all hell's broke loose on every side, be sure you're found of him in peace without spot or blemish. How can you do that? The exchange life. Holding that beginning confidence steadfast to the the end. What did he say in in Matthew 24? It says, many false prophets shall come in. And many shall hate one another, deceive one another, hate one another. And he says what? Because iniquity shall abound, the agape love of many shall wax cold. The agape shall wax cold. Many shall be betrayed, hate one another, fend one another. And because that lawless spirit abounds, many will wax cold in agape. 
But the next verse says what? But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. What is he saying here? Catch this. He that stays in his love. He that stays in his love shall be saved. What does that mean? Keep yourself in the love of God, Jude says. How are you going to keep yourself? In his love. Just don't get out of it. Don't get out of it. Keep yourself in the love of God. Right? That's it. You don't have to get there. You just have to stay there. The Holy Ghost has already given it to us. We love him because he what? First loved us. Now look what it says in verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Janet was telling me about the situation in our family that's going on with fear and panic attacks. Well, I talked to a pastor this week, and in his staff meeting, he was having fear attacks. Most of his people in there were having fear and panic attacks, something going on in, in, in the realm. So I know if there's that many people having trouble with fear and panic attacks, there's something going on that's not of God. Because God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So fear comes from the evil one. So has people been having little problems with your fear and panic attacks? Is anybody else around here having a little problem with fear maybe slipping in? Huh? Okay, anybody else? Let's be honest. Right, I want to see your hands. I think we've got a demonic thing. Okay. That's going on. All right, there's another one. Let's all be honest. Is fear giving you a hard time? Fear of whatever. See, let's take authority over that thing because one thing we know, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Because right. what happens? Fear has torment. That's right. Amen. And he that feareth is not made. And what's going to be one of the signs of the end time? Men's hearts failing them for what? Fear of looking what's coming on the earth. I say quit looking what's coming on the earth and look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Yeah. Change the way you look. How many of you know we got eyes? I believe our eyes has been exchanged too. We don't have to look the same way the world looks. We're looking unto him, the author and finisher. Well, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come right now. And all the people that's having fear and panic attacks, we take authority over that spirit of fear. God didn't give that spirit of fear to anybody. We take authority over you, spirit of fear, and we command you in the name of Jesus to leave these people. We command you to come out now. Fear. Command every spirit of fear to go now in Jesus' name. We take authority over you. You've got no place here. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of fear, I command you to go now. All that fear and anxiety, anxiety and fear and dread, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. Take authority over every spirit of fear, and we command you to go now. Go, every spirit of fear, worry, anxiety, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. you got no place here, no power. We break your assignment. We break that curse of fear. Amen? Amen. He said 366 times, fear not. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. What does redeem mean? Brought you back. So what? We don't have nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. Perfect love does what? Cast out some fear. All fear. And he that dwelleth in God dwells in love. So if we're dwelling in the right place, there's no what? No place for fear. It's not of God. It's of the devil. So let's don't go there. And, and there's no sense in us having to constantly battle something that's been defeated. Okay? So we don't want to go there. Amen.
This is good stuff. I like it. I may preach this for about six months. Okay. Well, verse 20, we may not want to hear this. If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he that loved God loves his brother also. Amen? Wow. You know, 1 John really will really set you free in a lot of these areas. Because it talks about if you, if, you, if you love God, you're born of God, you'll keep his commandments. And Jesus said, this is my commandment that I give to you. Jesus didn't say many commandments, did he? He said, a new commandment give I unto you that you are. Love one another as I've loved you, so that you love one another. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. How much love did he have for us? While we were yet sinners, he loved us and gave himself for us. And he says, what does First John say? If he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Amen? Ooh, Lord. There is no fear in love. But he says, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And then the next verse says what? Keep yourself in the love of God. If you're having problems, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And with that, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's part of it. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Eternal life. In Romans, it talks about hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Mm. Ephesians chapter 3. You know what's so wonderful about all that God asks us to do? Everything he's asked of us, he's done for us. He's not asked us to do anything but to do what he's already given us to do. I'm tell- you talk about liberating it is so liberating when you begin to see it. Mm-mm. All right. Okay, look about verse 13. Ephesians three thirteen. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. The riches of his glory, see that, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. What are we to be rooted and grounded in? Love. See, that's not just a temporary little thing. We are to be rooted and grounded in love. Says what? May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So how are you going to be filled with all the fullness of God? By being rooted and grounded in love. To understand the God of love. That is who you are. You are born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed, through the word of God that lives and abides forever. James says he begets you. 
with the word of truth. What does that word beget mean? Sperma. Catch it. Sperma. It's a seed. See, that seed of love is in every one of us. And we are living in that love, in the new creation. It changes up the way you see everything when you begin to see what he's talking about here. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend all of that, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus throughout the ages without end. Amen, amen, amen. Now I beseech you as prisoners of the Lord, beseech you that you walk, what? Walk worthy of the vocation where you with your call. See, there's a place to walk. We're supposed to be your followers of God and walk as he walked. And that's what First John says too, that we're to walk the way he walked. We should love one another as he does. And so there is, we've been given a, a new way to walk. So if you be risen to Christ, walk the new and living way. That's simple enough, isn't it? Oh, God. Galatians 5 says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision, verse 26, availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith that works by love. What is it? Faith that works. How does it work? By love. I'm not exactly sure of the verse. Faith that worketh by love. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion for the flesh, but by love do what? Serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, Jesus said. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Has anybody tried to love your neighbor in the old man? Doesn't work. The only way you can love your neighbor as yourself, especially when they have the loud music and the partying and the drinking and all that, is God lets your love in, flow from you. I can't. I don't have any. That's exchange. See, when you can't, he can. That's the only way we can ever get this thing. It's learn to live by the life of another. And the way we give it is in exchange. Be ye followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Ephesians 5.1. He did it for us so we can live it. Why is 1 Corinthians 13 there? Love never fails. The greatest is love. Why is it there? You know, when you read 1 Corinthians 13 in the new man, you see what love is, and you realize what you could never do, love has done. Though I could move mountains and have all faith in the world, if it's not motivated by love, it's what? It's nothing. It doesn't profit me. It may profit somebody else. But it's not going to profit me anything unless my motive is right. And the only way your motive will be right is living the exchange love. Yes. It's exciting, isn't it? Well, I've got another page and a half, but we'll do it later. I really may preach on this the next six months. Because you know What? Are you created in his image and his likeness? Yes. Does the Bible say God is love? Yes. So that's who you are. That's right. Your identity is, a, is in love. That's right. So we really need to understand what that is so we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Yes. Amen? Amen? So we need to understand this in a greater way than we've ever understood it before. That's who we are. That's right. 
By this, you know you're saved if you love one another. Did I make that up? By this, you know you're saved if you love one another. I think over 20 times in the New Testament, the Scripture says, love one another. Love one another. At least 20 times. At least to love one another. And in Thessalonians, he said, you're taught of God to love one another. I don't need to write to you to tell you to love one another. You're taught of God to love one another. Catch that. Why? Because if God is in you, Christ is in you, he's taught you to love one another. Because that's who you are. See? So we're on a, we're on a, a whole new way of thinking. Now, when he says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ, there's something to that. You've got to exchange that old mind, which is corruptible and deceitful, for the new mind, which is of Christ. Because the natural mind is not subject to God and never will be. But the scripture says, but we have the mind of Christ. Got it? So you let, you let the one be there that needs to be there. You have a choice which mind you want to go to. And once you move into the old thinking, what happens? You usually lose your peace pretty quick right after that. I can always trace when I start feeling a little anxious about something. When I begin to lose my peace, I can always trace it back to that door where something comes in that begins to cause me to be anxious about something. And the minute that anxiety starts coming in, I begin to lose my peace. And you know what I know? Is I've been listening to the wrong source. Remember, there's only two sources of information. God said to Adam when he said, I was naked and, and I was afraid, he said, who told you that? Where did you get your information? See, there's only two sources of information, from the evil one or from God. Watch which one. 2 Corinthians 5.10, bring into captivity what? Every thought. And, and what does the scripture say there in Romans? It will, those thoughts will either condemn you or excuse you. There's no other place. They're either going to condemn you or they're going to excuse you. There you are. So watch your thoughts. And the... And the you know, just guard your heart, Proverbs says. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issue of life. Now, he's given us a new heart. And what does it say about just Lot? That he vexed his righteous soul from day to day, hearing and seeing their unlawful deeds that they did. For that righteous one dwelling among them saw what they did from day to day and vexed his righteous soul. Now, we know that that which is born of God cannot sin, for his seed remains in you. But there is a vexation of the Holy Spirit and vexation of things that... What, what 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Dearly beloved, what cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What is holiness? How do you mature in holiness? Watch where you abide. The way you perfect holiness is your exchange thinking. It's the only way you can do it. And how do you cleanse yourself? The only way you can cleanse yourself is exchange. See, a lot of times when you read those verses, it makes it sound like you need to do something. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. I mean, he's tried to be holy as he's holy. Well, the Greek says you're holy because I'm holy. How many of you like being holy because he's holy better than you try to be holy because he's holy? Catch the difference? There's a lot of difference there in it. The reason you're sanctified, holy, redeemed, righteous is because of what he's done for you. Not what you do for yourself. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we just ask you to help us to learn to walk in the love of God. 
You've given us your Holy Spirit to let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts. And Lord, help us, even this week, to guard our hearts with all diligence and allow anxiety, fear, dread, worry to come in and destroy that peace. You said you would give us our peace and no man can take it from us. And if no man can take it from us, no devil in hell can take it from us either. So we receive that peace and we hold it. We let the peace of God rule in our heart to which we are called. And be ye thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.